everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 630, NFL regular season wrap-up. Welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. Frank joins those with Eddie. Eddie, how's it going? Yeah, things are going well. I have to admit, slightly disappointed to know that the NFL regular season is over. But I don't know. Did you see uh, the heartfelt message at the end of of Red Zone by Scott Hansen? Yeah, <laughs> telling you to you know smile because it happened. Yeah. <laughs> He, he his corniness is is sometimes a little much but i do appreciate he's he's consistent yeah although obviously both you and i felt like that was a oh, bad iteration not his of, fault i don't know if it isn't his fault no like, he's think, just the face man <laughs> i don't think he is he's I just the pretty has, face behind the screen eddie i think he has he's got pretty, no control i think he's got quite a lot of control over the uh the sort of editorial aspect the directing but he uh yeah they focused way too much on the games that did not matter and way too little on the games that did and what bothered me is i then went to like social media to see like i can't like you and i can't be the only ones that think this is outrageous and i really couldn't find anything everyone else was just so like sad that it was the last red zone of the year like that was the overall when i did like hashtag nfl red zone it was all like oh last red zone of the year like crying face emoji and no one was like why the fuck am i stuck watching the patriots jets crap fest i think it's because there's we fall outside i think a big portion of the maybe red red zone sort of consumers in that i think for a lot of people it almost doesn't matter what they're seeing. They just want to see constant football for that period. Or Maybe. then there's the people who are using Red Zone, but then supplementing that with additional TV screens, which I know both you and I do. Yeah. But then they maybe aren't, you know, if you had the Tampa Bay and Jacksonville game on two other screens, then you probably don't care that Red Zone is going to the Jets-Patriots game a lot. Yeah, and I mean, that's maybe I'm going to have to make the shift to YouTube next year because they do the quad box on YouTube now, and you can choose almost what four you want with Red Zone being one, and then you can choose the three other that you want to watch simultaneously. And as long as you have a big enough TV, I think that's feasible. I don't really enjoy it. I'd rather just watch one big screen, but I think maybe at times like this, that'd be better than relying on Red Zone. Because then what I was doing was watching the Jags game and then switching back to red zone in between plays to kind of see what was going on. And then if they were also playing the Jags, then I would just stick with red zone. But then when they weren't and they were showing the dumb crap that I didn't want to see, I'd have to go back and forth between the Jags and red zone, which is not optimal. No. No, I mean, maybe we just had to create our own red zone. Start off from... <laughs> well, it's just like, like we put simple rules for like we put them on our last podcast and they like refuse to stick to those. I mean, why Why on earth they would go and be like, let's take a live look at the Jets game. Uh, Jets are on their own 25 and they have a second and 19. Oh, a one-yard run. Let's see what they do on third down. Oh, a 
two yard draw. Let's see the punt. It's like, are you kidding me right now? Like Baker Mayfield is one leg hobbling, trying to get a first down in a game that absolutely matters. And I'm stuck watching two teams that don't want to be on the field to begin with, let alone be on a field that's like covered in snow and you can't do anything on. And I think that was part of the problem. I think yeah. if that weren't, weren't a snowy game, I think we see less. But I honestly, no, because you can't, you can't deny that every time we went, Scott Hansen was like, oh, I can't even see the lines. <laughs> well, that's, him, I think, trying to make the best of a bad situation. You hate the snow games. It's true hate that them. most people do love them. And so probably. I think that people, was part of it. It probably contributed a slight amount. I don't think as much as maybe you might think. I think the reality is, is that, okay, that's the Tampa Bay game, 9-0. So admittedly, <laughs> not as much action to show in that game. Although that included, the 9-0 is a little misleading because it included a fumble that went into the end zone and a touchdown that was called back for a penalty. Yeah. So you actually had more action in that. And also Tampa Bay in a position to score had they needed to at the end of the game. So, you know, you you, ascend, you had a lot more sort of action and decent drives in there than, than the 9-0 scoreline might imply. And then the Jacksonville game wasn't exactly high quality either. But that should have been, and I think they could have addressed that just at the beginning. Like, hey guys, we are going to focus on the games that really matter now. So you're not going to see as much of the Jets and the Browns and the Bengals as you might normally do but we will show you all the scoring plays and the turnovers. Yeah. But we are going to focus on the games that have playoff implications. At no point when the Bengals were up 20 in a meaningless game, should we go watch a full drive? I could care <laughs> less. Like that should not it, have ever happened. I don't think even the players on the field probably cared. No, I don't think so either. What's And I get the other part, I think, with who watches Red Zone, I think a lot is fantasy football players. But like we said in the previous podcast, almost all fantasy football leagues, there are a few that are dumb enough to do week 18, but most of them are done by now. So you don't even have that aspect of it where, where there's some idiot being like, show me Driscoll. I picked him up off waivers. I need Driscoll. You know, like no one cares at that point. So yeah, it was, it was kind of annoying, but regardless, it was still pretty entertaining last week. Um, I think most things unfolded as we thought they would with the big, Difference of being the Jags just imploding on a shitty against a shitty tight Tennessee Titans team. Who, speaking of not wanting to be there, I don't think Ryan Tannehill even wanted to suit up for that game. I mean, <laughs> Definitely not in the second half. No. I mean, the, the Titans. He was like, "Wait, do we have to play another half?" <laughs> yeah, I think it felt like the Titans kind of stopped playing basically after the opening scoring drive of the second half. I, I think, think everyone like... on that field except Trevor Lawrence had money line Jags. <laughs> Even the refs, the, the people who were doing like the sticks, the first down sticks. <laughs> yeah, pretty much everything went to plan. I mean, everything, if we went back to like our predictions, from my perspective, I guess there were three that I got wrong. Three that mattered. One being the Jags. The other being the Colts. We can obviously get onto that game uh, later on. And then the Eagles, who I didn't yeah. expect would... So certainly, I didn't think Oof. they would lose, and I definitely didn't think they'd lose in the manner in which they did, which was, I mean, kind of one of the more surprising results of the NFL regular season in the end. And the Giants 
you know, hurt themselves in the process. So yeah, those are the three that kind of stood out as not going quite to plan. And then you had a couple of other, I mean, this obviously Seattle nearly lost, should have lost. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was a team that obviously once they knew that Green Bay had won, which they clearly did when they decided to go for two, two. At, the, <laughs> at the end of the game, that was that was Pete Carroll saying, yeah, we've had enough of this season now. Like one way or the other, this is not going to overtime. Yeah. So where should we start? I guess two games really worth discussing extensively. The Colts... Texans game. Yeah. And the Jags game. Yeah. Colts, Texans. I mean, Texans look decent. Uh, I thought the Texans looked like the better team, but, you know, the Colts had a chance at the end to win it and had a. I, I think it's bizarre play call at the end. Especially like. So obviously, for those who didn't see on, what was it, third and one? Yeah. They had, did you QB sneak? No, what did they do on third down? Uh, oh, no, it was like third and four, and they ran Taylor up the middle, and he got like three. Yeah. And then it was, so it was like fourth and inches, and they ran up to the line like they were going to make a play, like a quick play and try and catch the defense off guard, but then called the timeout, which they did, which they did several times. But then on the fourth down, instead of continuing with the running game, they put in the backup running back, and threw like a swing pass to him, which was a pretty bad throw. Hit his hands, but not the best of throws. The throw was behind him. It was yeah. catchable. Like ultimately, it, the blame really lies with Minshew. But at the same time, if you're uh, Goodson, I think it yeah. is. I think he's disappointed too, right? Like when you are wide open and it is within your reach especially with the stickiness of the gloves nowadays. You know, like people, whenever people drop it, we don't talk about how pretty much anything can stick to those gloves. Oh, here but we go again with the gloves. <laughs> it's true, though, you know, like, and it's hard to defend Minshew for throwing it behind him. He's not under any pressure. There yeah. is an edge rusher kind of coming around, so he might feel like the window to get that throw off is closing in terms of the possibility of it being deflected but still under no pressure the guy is in acres of space you should be able to hit him in stride and not only that not only would it have been a definite first down he could have picked up a decent number of yards he has blockers in front of him i mean there's a possibility he scores a touchdown even potentially but certainly you're looking at them moving themselves you know pretty close uh so that's a disappointing end to the season for them ultimately it's probably the better storyline, the Texans going into the playoffs with Stroud, like the Minshew Colts, who I think might be a more difficult team. Like I think the Browns might have struggled more with this Colts team than they will with this Texans team because I honestly don't think we'll obviously cover our playoff prediction, round our wildcard predictions next episode. But I actually don't think the, the Texans pose too many problems for this Browns team. So it feels like a good matchup. I think the Colts would have been a worse matchup, but the Texans are the better storyline with the rookie quarterback, with the rookie head coach, you know, pulling together a pretty incredible season for a team that we expected to be potentially the worst team in the NFL and now playing in the playoffs. It's a cool story. 
Yeah. Traded for... away Deshaun Watson. Yeah. No, exactly. That's a kind of interesting. If Watson were playing, that would be a cooler yeah. story. I line. think it's even better that he's not playing. <laughs> but I honestly think that's a better storyline. Like we traded away this loser. Look, look, you paid him a shit ton of money and he's not even playing. Good job. I did I did think I don't know if you saw the quote from Goodson post match, post game. One of the sadder quotes from the NFL season. He said, I'm going to go talk to my parents. They're probably the only people that are loving me right now. I think that's... You know what? Honestly, I... I picked the Texans to win. At grand scheme of things, it wasn't like the biggest win or loss ever. But I'm more mad at the coaching staff. Because we've talked about this when we talked about the Alabama game. And how they made the last play of the game was the that QB draw, which actually turns out wasn't a QB draw, but was actually a run pass option that the low snap supposedly uh, made him just run it instead of running the full play. Regardless, that's a different story. But the whole discussion there was, you know, get the ball into your best player's hands. Jonathan Taylor had 188 yards rushing. And I don't care if he's like a slightly smaller back or whatever. You don't put in a back who had no touches the entire game coming cold off the bench to try and make a catch or play versus giving it to your best players. Like you can't tell me that that's their best one yard play. Like let's take out our best playmaker, probably one of the best running backs in the league. Let's take him out. That's not our best option. Our best option is this guy. Like I, I just think that's a stupid play call. Like I, I would much rather lose the game by giving it to your best players and having a good play for them than trying to throw it to like your backup tight end or the other, like there was a few really stupid play calls yesterday. Like the one, the, the Jags well, let's, ran. Let's, yeah, let's, let's like, go one by one. We, okay. But those plays I, just make me so angry. I kind of disagree with you because I think it's tough to be too critical of the play calling because ultimately the play call led to. No. It didn't. It, it didn't work. You can't say it be critical because it didn't work because he dropped it. You know right. why I dropped it? Because he's the backup fucking running back. <laughs> well, okay. So were they going to change quarterbacks too? Because it's the quarterback who throws the ball slightly behind the receiver. But what does like, gloves? You can catch anything. <laughs> but, you know, ultimately, you know, I think it's hard. You'd, you'd walk off that field and you'd say the play we drew up worked exactly how we wanted it to work. We got a quarterback under no pressure, throwing to a wide open receiver who was going to easily pick up the first down. And yes, some people have said he could have run the route a little flatter, which would have made it easier for Minshew. But then you run the risk. Like sometimes we're critical of receivers because they do end up catching the ball short of the first down marker. Then the tackle gets made. Like he was at least putting himself in a position where a completed catch meant a first down. You know, I don't know. I think. But I also I think I, I think what you're saying too, though, is you know, okay, it's it wasn't really his fault. The play was right, but Minshew makes a bad throw. But that kind of goes to my point more of Minshew isn't your best player on the field either. Like, why are you putting it in his hands as well? Like, I I, I just think personally, I would have given it to the guy who dominated that game and let him yeah. try and make one more play for your team. And if and if they stuff him, they stuff him. And I'd rather that than have the ball in the hands of Minshew. And, and a backup running back who hasn't made a play all game. Like, that just seems too risky to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. 
I mean, because ultimately, I kind of agree with you. But then when the thing that let you down is execution, and obviously we don't know how much they've practiced that play. You know, there's every possibility that play has been in their back pocket for a significant part of the season and that Goodson was always the person who's supposed to be running it. You can then also make the argument, I get you, you're just saying hand the ball off to Taylor, hope for the best. And probably that would have worked. But, you know, if you do get stuffed, you get killed for a lack of creativity. I know we're both saying we wouldn't, but you might, you know. And if Taylor had been the player in the backfield, maybe the Texans play it differently so you don't get a wide open running back in the flat. But I think think sometimes, I think we'll both agree, coaches try and get a little too creative. (laughs) A little bit. But I mean, I have... You watch the Eagles do a stupid tush push 75 times and then you have some of these plays where it's just like, just go back to basics. Well, that is, obviously I was not critical of the tush push, but said, can't they be a bit more creative from the Eagles? If anything, this weekend at a few critical moments revealed, we do have to give the Eagles maybe slightly more credit for how effective they are because we time and time again see situations of teams needing to pick up a yard and either not trusting their quarterback or not feeling like their line will get enough, you know, I don't know. It feels like such an unstoppable play, not just from the Eagles, but from several other teams. Like it feels it's inconceivable to me that you can't fall forward for half a yard. And yet we find teams struggling to do it or just choosing not to even use it as an option, which I guess is our opportunity to move well, on I'll, to the, ja- the Jags yeah. game. I was just going to say, I mean, both of those you have in the Jags game, they had a failed QB sneak on the line. And then Josh Allen at the end of the Buffalo game, they had a fourth and short and he couldn't get over on a QB sneak. And they're, they're six, six. And that's going to what you're saying. Like you can't tell me a Six six, two hundred fifty pound player can't fall with the effort of three people behind him forward for less than half a yard. It's crazy, especially in the case of Josh Allen, right? Because he's also physically imposing. Like, okay, Trevor Lawrence is a skinny quarterback, so you can maybe tell me now. Though, to move on to this Jags game, where we probably both have the strongest emotional reaction to. The other thing I hated. So, for context for the listeners, uh, the Jags at one point were down fifteen. Uh, sort of started the second half. They score a touchdown. They're down eight. Then the Titans throw an interception. Uh, they get inside the red zone. On second down, they get to third and sort of third and one from the one yard line. So they're third and goal, one yard out. <laughs> the first play they run is like rolling Trevor Lawrence out to the right. A play that we always say we love. But it but was can, the weirdest design rollout I've ever seen in my life. I only like it when fundamentally the goal is roll him out with the intent of basically him turning into a runner, but with the potential to throw to one of a number of receivers in front of you. That's how like the Chiefs do it. This was clearly do not get hurt on this play. Yeah. And this would be this would be my biggest criticism of both the Jags and Trevor Lawrence post this game. It felt like they were trying to like keep Trevor Lawrence intact for a game they're not even going to play now. Yeah. You know? well, I, yeah, and and obviously Trevor Lawrence was injured. 
And I wonder if some of those calls, like you're saying, were to just not get him more injured with the anticipation that they're going to win this game, maybe. But you can't play like that. And I don't think he would have wanted to play like that. I mean, he clearly did it on the next play. <laughs> no, but That's like one of the most dangerous things a QB could do, what he did on that still, play. He still kind of did, though. Because it's dangerous in the sense of the turnover risk becomes high for, for those unaware. That's an incomplete. Then he, the fourth down, they decide to kind of, it's sort of a QB sneak, but in the end it's him trying to jump over jump. the line to sort of just briefly have the ball pass the plane. Yeah. He He's an inch away, if not less, from success. It was a bad that. spot. Because he was way closer than that spot gave him. It doesn't matter. He still didn't get over the line. But, yeah, he tried to pull, like, the Saquon. Well, you know when he did get over the line? On his second attempt. <laughs> and I don't think he was down on the But they blew the whistle. Back. Right. But, and I'm not really complaining because, obviously, you know, the play did fundamentally pretty much stop there. That being said, the inconsistencies on when whistles get blown, it's difficult. You know, you we saw later in like one of the other Titans drives where clearly the player was basically tackled and held up three or four yards short of the first down marker. <laughs> but then you just allow linemen to gradually pile in and push him forward over a period of like five seconds. Now, I'm okay with that. But on another day, that play is going to be blown dead pretty much straight away. And it's a fourth down. And instead, we get these first down outcomes. There needs to be some clear guidelines on like when a play is blown dead. And with the ability to review plays, sort of let's not blow them dead unless we think someone's going to get hurt from us not doing this. But I mean, I'm, I'm anti-push like, across the board. I just think it's annoying as a defense when you stop somebody and make a nice tackle and then all of a sudden you have three 350 pound linemen come up from behind and start pushing against you. Like you made the play, you stopped them. That should be it. I hate, I hated the push when Matt Liner illegally did it on Reggie Bush to win the national championship. And I hate that. I hate that it's legal now in the NFL. I just, I don't like it. Yeah, I understand. Cause I think I'm... it makes those inconsistencies. Like you're saying, it's like so difficult sometimes where like, if a ref just instantaneously blows it like right before, then it, like you're saying, it could be third and four versus if he just lets it go, it could be like a 15 yard further gain. There was a few yesterday where guys were being pushed for like five, 10 yards. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, the, the Jags ended up uh, not managing to pull off the comeback. I mean, I don't even know if they would have been, there's nothing about their performance that makes me think <laughs> they would have been successful in a two point attempt anyway. So this might've all been. Well, they fairly... did get the ball back. And then Trevor it... Lawrence showed either he's an average QB at best, or he is still pretty injured because that was a terrible attempt to even try and get a first down to start a drive. Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, it wasn't because the first play went for like eight yards. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and we said it, these teams, yeah, like you, ha well, you always have more time, even with no timeouts, than you really think you do. Like when there's 52 seconds left, that's a long time. You can afford to run, ball, run the ball, spike the ball, 
and then play with the additional three downs. It's a lot better than turning the ball over and not even getting the chance. So The only ones who disagree with that, Eddie, are commentators. It still blows my mind to this day how bad commentators are, are at calculating time and time management at the end of games. Like there'll be a, there was one, oh, I can't remember the game now. There was like 25 seconds left. And they were like, well, they cannot get tackled in bounds. If they get tackled in bounds, they're not getting another playoff. It's like, are you kidding me? A play takes seven seconds. You run up to the line at max. That's 10 seconds to get it spiked. You still have like eight seconds left. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, they're admittedly, just you... so bad at like calculations, like small yeah. numbers. <laughs> admittedly, you probably don't want a player getting 70 yards after the catch. And then everyone having, you know, like there are some plays you might not want with 25 seconds left, but the reality is, you know, the, you're okay. But no, I agree with you. Just the, but yeah, I think it does the, so the Jag situations raises some serious questions about Trevor Lawrence and whether or not he is going to end up, you know, this is a significant amount of time into his NFL career at this point to not be someone you trust. And I think that is the biggest, from my perspective, I know I've been highly critical of Trevor Lawrence over the last couple of seasons. I've been highly critical of the Jags. But, you know, I said it to you during the sort of that group of games that are the sort of early afternoon games. I felt completely, I had total trust that an injured Baker Mayfield was going to win that game. Admittedly against an easier opponent. But he still, did nothing, though. <laughs> what he did, but you know what he showed me? He at least was hobbling and picking up first downs. Trevor Lawrence didn't even look like he really wanted to be there. I mean, he's got to work a little bit. I'm not. He got to work a little bit on the facial expressions and just he just seemed sort of, oh well, you know, life's not too bad. I got my long hair and I got a you know good bank account and. I'll just walk off the field and go on an early vacation. It's not the end of the world. And maybe that's how he feels, but that's how he looks. Whereas Baker Mayfield gives you the feeling that nothing means more to him in that moment. Like he will run through a brick wall to try yeah. to get that first down. You know? I, I, I will agree with you on that aspect for sure. Like, like you can't tell me on that third and goal that if Baker Mayfield had been rolling out to the right and been like, uh-oh, every receiver's covered. He wouldn't have just gone head down, trying to run through every single person between him and the end zone. And yeah. he probably he wouldn't have gotten there. But goddammit, he would have tried. Probably would have got demolished, fumbled the ball, ended up being returned for a touchdown for the Titans. But you know, I'd have at least said that guy cares. Yeah, it's I, I you know, and I don't know. I don't know what you do with Trevor Lawrence because it's really tough. Part of me thinks he wasn't healthy that back half of the year where you look at the front half and he had played better, still not great, but better. But you go back to that draft class and you think, could that have been one of the worst QB draft classes in the history of the NFL? You have Trevor Lawrence, who's hands down the best one, Zach Wilson, who I don't think will be in the NFL next year. Trey Lance, I think he retired this year. Justin Fields, who might be benched after this game, or replaced, I should say. 
Mac Jones, who I don't think will be in the NFL next year, Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, and Davis Mills. Oh, and then Ian Book. Like, that is a terrible draft class for QBs. Yeah, it's not great. Admittedly, right, going into it, the feeling was that Trevor Lawrence was the can't-miss generational quarterback prospect, yeah. right? The the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, if not potentially the best quarterback prospect since Peyton Manning. So I do always think that's the interesting discussion, you know, when you then look at this year and all these teams feeling like they're guaranteed to have, you know, a quarterback join their franchise that is, you know, undoubtedly going to turn things around. Well, maybe not. No. You know, there's no, even ignoring the risk of injury and other issues, just the fact that maybe they won't be that good. But I don't know. We don't do rankings, right? <laughs> do you think is he's not a top 15 quarterback right now? I think he is. You because think so? I, because I think, well, my issue is, is that there's such bad QBs right now that I think he is a top 15. And I think that's the cutoff. I think if you have a top, I would even go a little lower and say, like, if you have a top, 17 quarterback you have to stick with it because if we go through the people who are definitely ahead of him right so i'm looking through the teams in alphabetical order so i'll have to the the order in which i address these quarterbacks is going to be a little bit odd josh allen yes for sure uh dak prescott now yes for sure this is a weird there's a weird way you're going about this. There's no well, consistency in these teams here. Well, <laughs> I thought just, you were going to go for a division. No, 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 no. I said, I'm, this is what I literally said. I said, I'm going through them in alphabetical order. Alphabetical okay. being the place, their location, not their nickname. Got it. Got it. So, uh, yeah, I guess you give Stroud the nod. First year is tough, but yeah. Okay. Jordan Love, Where what's, what's that positioning? I'd say they're about equal. I'm going to give Jordan Love the nod. Okay. At the moment. Uh, Tua? Tua did not have a great year. <laughs> oh, come on. You can't put Tua behind. I mean, he really – we can talk about that later too, about we, clutchness. We, but okay, I'll put Tua in there as well. Okay. Uh, Justin Herbert? Yeah, Herbert's way better. Okay, interesting. You can't. We can't have much of a discussion about <laughs> Tua if Justin Herbert is way better. Uh, no one – Jalen Hurts, obviously, better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brock Purdy, obviously better. Okay. Geno Smith? (sighs) Geno Smith was not very good this year. He was like 25th in QBR, I think. He had a bad year. No, I would would much rather – I will say I would rather have Trevor Lawrence. Okay. I think that's the – That's eight. uh, Oh, well, because um, we're missing, obviously, Joe Burrow, because he's currently okay, not yeah. a starter. So he's definitely there. Uh, and then those I was trying to cover, oh, and technically, because uh, this is going off last week's starters, we also are missing Lamar Jackson. Yep. Okay. You're at 10. Uh, yeah. So and then Daniel we start Jones? Get, we start to get Who's into better? the FE. I mean, here's the thing is, I'm at least, I'm going to take, I can give Trevor Lawrence the edge, but I'm, I'm not saying it's a clear, 
I feel 100% confident. And then we then start to get in like Jared Goff probably should you be ahead of him in a list. I think Stafford would be ahead of him. Okay, I'm happy with that too. So that's Goff and Stafford. I would happily put ahead of them. And then we get into some trickier ones. Like Kirk Cousins healthy ahead of him, yeah? Yeah. So yeah, 13 now. Baker Mayfield? How do we... I mean, no. definitely had a better... <laughs> no, come on. No? no. <laughs> I, that, I, you know what I mean? Like, he's right at like the 15-ish, I think is what it would come down yeah. to. Yeah, he's in that because because then you're going to get some people who like stick Joe Flacco above him. Yeah, or like Justin Fields. I mean, put it a terrible way. take, but I think at this point Joe Flacco is going to end up having a better career than <laughs> Trevor Lawrence has right yeah. now. Well, if... Lawrence is in what? This is year three. That was yeah. his third year. He just finished complete so, like three complete years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I you know I just think it's tough because. Like I said, at what point do you say we need to go get another QB? Like how bad of a QB do you have to have to go get another one? Like I honestly think if you have a top 15 to 17-ish QB, you have to keep and ride with it because the options of what you could get stuck with in like a, a, it, it could be terrible. You know, you look at the Colts. Look, look at the Colts. You could be stuck with that instead. And I'd rather ride with someone who's a top 15 quarterback than what they did or the, or like the Falcons, what they did. Yeah. I mean, you are picking absolute worst case scenarios. Okay. Like the saints. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you are picking absolute worst case scenarios, but But I'm picking teams that didn't have a QB and decided to go elsewhere to get one. And then that's kind of what they're stuck with. But you could end up um, being the Browns. And get Joe Flacco? <laughs> yeah, or the equivalent. You know, who's the next Joe Flacco? Probably Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Like, are the Jags better with a healthy Kirk Cousins? I'll put it this way. Oh, yeah. Kirk Cousins wins that game yesterday. And he probably wins it by 21 points. It's not even close. Because he he does exactly what Kirk Cousins would have done, which is convince He's everyone. A gamer. That, no, he would have <laughs> Everyone would have gone, whoa, the Jags might be hard to handle in the playoffs and yeah. then lose by 30 in round one. <laughs> and then it gets the classic Kirk Cousins ending, ending fourth and seven with him just aimlessly throwing the ball to the sidelines <laughs> to like with no receiver in the vicinity, like intentional grounding as the final play of the season. But yeah, I guess my thing with the with Flacco, I think we might have said this on another podcast, but do you think right now Salah, the coach of the Jets, is sitting at home and thinks, fuck, I should have not stuck up for Zach Wilson and should have gotten Flacco like other people told me and we could be in the playoffs right now? I mean, I think this is a, you have to regret a, that. This is affected by a little bit by my opinion of the Jets overall. I don't think the Jets are in the playoffs with Joe Flacco. Do you think the Jets are in a playoff with Aaron Rodgers? No, wow. I think they're just not. I think they're not as good as people thought they were going to be, and I think they miss out in part too, right? Just because that division is hard, you know. Like in other divisions, do they make the playoffs? Yes, but like ultimately, you kind of look back on their season and you think they got some wins they probably shouldn't have had, and okay, maybe a couple of disappointing losses, 
but I don't know necessarily how much uh, Aaron Rodgers really moves the needle for them in terms of some of those wins. Um, and so, like, do I think the Jets are suddenly beating, you know, the Bills and the Dolphins three times? No. I, th- I think they're above 500 with a competent quarterback. Um. I mean, if you put a I mean, quarterback and, that can hit receivers with Brees Hall, that's a pretty good offense. They were 7-10, and 10, so, yeah, I think it's fair to say they probably win two more two games, 9-8, and eight, but that doesn't get them into the playoffs, right, in the, in the AFC? Or does it? But, uh, no, I mean, it wouldn't have. see, this is, this is what I don't get. The, you say they're 7-9, and nine, but mm-hmm. you don't think they make the playoffs. They still had seven wins. With yeah. two quarterbacks on the field, that could be the worst quarterbacks to step on the field in the NFL this year. Yeah, but here's the thing: if I gave an honest <laughs> assessment of their season, like they somehow win that season opener against the Bills, where Aaron yeah. Rodgers, no one, no one will ever know how that game was won. <laughs> and I will say this: I don't think they win if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get injured. <laughs> it, it, like as stupid as it is as to sound, so like. In a sense, by giving by giving them a healthy Aaron Rodgers season, I immediately have to take one win away. So it's like if I look back through their season, I think they lose to the Bills, so they're 0-1. I think they still lose to the Cowboys, they're 0-2. Okay, they lost to the Patriots, they win that one, so they're 1-2. They still lose to the Chiefs, probably. Uh, they, I don't know, they just lost to the Chiefs. <laughs> I know, but I think they still lose to the Chiefs. So I put them at one and three. They beat the Broncos. They did it anyway. Like they beat the Eagles. Are we guaranteeing that they beat the Eagles next time around? Yeah, the Eagles. The Eagles stink. That's what we <laughs> found out. <laughs> at this point in time, they didn't. This is when the Eagles were probably the best team in the NFL. You know, there was a good they lost chance. to the Falcons, right? They lost to the Raiders. They lost to the Chargers. They already lost twice to the Dolphins, so you can't reverse those. <laughs> no, but I think I'm probably taking two of their wins away, so then you need to be giving them four additional wins. Chargers, Raiders, Falcons, Patriots. That's four. And that's them, nine and seven. Chiefs. Not... Okay. <laughs> so it's a perfect season for them in a sense. You know, that's nine and seven not making the playoffs. So I I do get it. And it sounds weird to say. Like, I, they're obviously a much better team with Aaron Rodgers. I just don't think they're a playoff team. But, you know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. We'll obviously never know. We might get to see that next season. Like, do you think the Jets are going to be a playoff team next year? Well, no, I want to clarify. I didn't say with Rodgers. I said if they had picked up Flacco. When Rodgers went down. Because I think Flacco might be better than Rodgers right now. <laughs> but I, I don't I, I don't know this. I can't know next year because I Rodgers is what? 39 years old coming off of a severe Achilles injury. <laughs> Supposedly. Yeah. Um, coming off of a little boo-boo. <laughs> Flacco. I think Flacco has landed in the perfect spot for Joe Flacco. And I think that's – I don't think the Jets were the perfect spot for him. And that's not talking about the Browns being better, which they obviously are than the Jets anyway in pretty much every department. But it's that this 
Browns team is built for Joe Flacco to just throw the ball around. He can throw the odd turnover because the defense is going to force a couple turnovers too. And their offense is pretty good at picking up big plays. And like, this is the team, like weirdly enough, everyone's already forecasting like the Browns have to hold on to Joe Flacco. But the version of the Browns that has Chubb coming back is probably not as good of a fit for Joe Flacco. <laughs> because then if they turn into, and I know he worked well in the, uh, you know, the Ravens had a strong running game while he was there. But, you know, you just feel like that turns into a more ground and pound team, which is what the Browns were for most of the Stefanski era up until this. And then you aren't letting Joe Flacco be Joe Flacco. All right, back on to yesterday's or this weekend's games. Yeah. I mean, what do we say for the Eagles? Do you give... Obviously, two big things also came out if we look at the playoff teams. Detroit Lions probably have lost Laporta for the first week of the playoffs. Their claims, the reports today say that he has an outside chance of playing this weekend. I don't think he'll play this weekend, but maybe that indicates that he'd at least be back. If they can make it through this weekend, he'll be back for the remainder of the playoffs. Yeah. Probably not Probably healthy, just lost though. their best player. <laughs> and then the Eagles, A.J. Brown, also injured his knee. That appears to be less severe there. The expectation is that he will play. And, I mean, although it wasn't, I guess, it turned out to be a big Jalen Hurts, Dislocated, knocked his finger out. <laughs> yeah. Do you think the Eagles, like how big, is this just an, can they get themselves out of this free fall? Like is this, is there any possibility that they fix? Because it's difficult to look at the performance we saw from them yesterday. Admittedly. Uh, over the last month. No, but I mean, I think yesterday was, I still sort of, you know, I really expected okay, the Giants don't really want to win, that we're going to get to see a kind of dominant Eagles performance. The only thought I had about why we might not see the Eagles win yesterday was, well, if the Cowboys are winning, like, up by 21 points at halftime, yeah, maybe the Eagles bench everyone, and then things go south for them. As it turned out, the commanders hung in with the Cowboys, you know, long enough that the Eagles had already lost by the time the Cowboys started to take control of their game. So it was a meaningful game for the Eagles. Oh, until yeah. It wasn't. You know, I mean, playing... here, he... so my issue is, do I go with my gut and what we've pretty much said all year in that the Eagles are not as good as they were looking in the standings in the first half and then kind of came back in the standings in the second half. And, you know, we both felt that way. You know, we, we talked about when they were winning that they really didn't look good in winning, you know, that their offense would stall a lot. And now we're really seeing the, the, the worst part of that, I think, you know, and, and not being able to score against the giants. It's pathetic. Do I trust that or do they pull like what would be a classic Eagles move and go into the round one of the playoffs and put up 45 points 
in some inconceivable way that no one could have predicted. That's my hesitation is that I can see that happening and it would just make me so angry. Like every every part of my body wants to say the Eagles are done. They're losing this first round of the playoffs. Say goodbye. They're not as good as everyone thought they were. They even got lucky last year. But I can still see them turning it around somehow. Just you know, like uh, that team, you know, it's just Hurts and Sirianni. You never know. If you wanted to give them a positive, right? They got the best possible opponent in Wild Card Weekend. The the easiest opponent you could ask for there. Like if you look through all of it's the teams. It's such bullshit. I know that pisses you, me off. I know you hate the Steelers. The Steelers. Oh, was, well, talk to this NFC. They can't obviously play someone in the AFC. No, no, no. But I'm looking across the board. Every okay. team that's made the playoffs, I would say they have the easiest opponent. Because I know you're really down on the Steelers, but still, that's a defense I, that... Yeah. Okay, TJ Watt's status could significantly Done. impact that. But... But if you if I, I, I yes I'll give you if you said Steelers versus Bucks I would probably pick the Steelers to win. That yeah, game. Steelers are favorite. Like the Bucks are the only team I think who's an underdog against every other opponent. Yeah. In in Wild Card Weekend, one exception um, maybe if they're home to the Texans maybe maybe that's but you, Texans yeah, Bucks that's a that's a pick them. So you now say you got the Eagles playing against the Bucks, who just scored nine points. Against the Panthers. Yeah. Okay, as we said, could have scored more if they really needed to at the end. Let's say they scored 16 points against the Panthers. You got Baker Mayfield, who's clearly injured. No way he's fully healthy by next Monday night. And... You have to take the Eagles. They're you two can't and not. A half, the Eagles are two and a half point favorites. Like this... Imagine if we could went back to mid October and said, Wild card weekend, the Eagles are going already. A, the Eagles are playing in wild card weekend. B, they're on the road in wild card weekend. And C, they're only two and a half point favorites in Tampa Bay. Like, yeah, you can't not take them. You, you, I, you can't not take them. I mean, the Bucks are not a playoff team. I mean, you said it. You just said it. They beat the Panthers nine to nothing, and they didn't have a drive. Over, I think over like forty or fifty yards. Two of the field goals were off of like turnovers. I'm pretty sure one was like a 15 yard drive, and next like a 25 yard drive. They maybe had one drive over 50 yards the entire game against the Carolina Panthers. That's and and yes. The Eagles are better than the Carolina Panthers. I'm not going to sure? say they're not better than the Panthers. Are we sure? The Carolina <laughs> Panthers, who achieved an NFL record of never having a lead in the fourth quarter of a regular season game yep. this season. I heard that. That's crazy. Scored, scored two, won two games, but both of the games they won were with field goals as time expired. Didn't score, have yet to score a single point in 2024. So have played two complete NFL games in the 2024, yet to score a point. And have an owner throwing drinks at... Opposing fans has no have an owner getting fined three hundred thousand dollars <laughs> and not really apologizing in his letter. Oh, he definitely didn't apologize. He just said he's passionate. <laughs> he didn't even uh, say I'm sorry. I'm passionate. He said I'm passionate. Yeah, Shit happens. It's a positive. <laughs> Next time it will be coffee. <laughs> Speaking of which, completely random on my Instagram, it popped up. 
some kid was at a party and threw a smoke bomb at a girl. And then the girl went to the kitchen and took a pot of boiling water and threw it on the kid. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty awesome. (laughs) And it was filmed even better. Even if it was fake, it was still great. (laughs) Yeah, probably fake. But hopefully the kid, I mean, isn't isn't sort of severely burned. (laughs) I think it was Tepper's daughter. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, any other, and I guess the final game really to discuss from yesterday is the Bills-Dolphins game, which in a sense became less significant once the Jags had lost because the Bills were guaranteed a playoff spot. So it is sort of... yeah. But I, I think that's kind of BS because playing in Buffalo in January is a def- definite home field advantage. Like if there were any teams you could say home field advantage would matter, I think that's one of them. You know, maybe the Chiefs or all oh, the Patriots were any good. But of the teams in the playoffs, I think that's a big one for home field advantage. Yeah, I mean, arguably the Cowboys, right, the biggest with their 16-game home winning streak. Even if the atmosphere isn't the thing leading to it, you still yeah. at least have to say that's the team with the real home field advantage right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess the Bills would have had they lost would have then gone on the would have gone to Arrowhead and played the Chiefs the way the Dolphins are. Uh, it would have been, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, would have been Chiefs, but Bills. If that's the case, I'm kind of disappointed because that does deny us the rematch. The re well, yeah, whatever this whatever iteration of the rematch this would now be. And if you're the Bills, are you maybe a little bit disappointed that you didn't you don't have the chance to now go to Kansas City and kind of end this I don't think it's a dynasty because they didn't win. I think you gotta win three to be a dynasty. Okay. But but kind of put the final nail in the coffin of the <laughs> Mahomes read. Well, I wouldn't say put the final nail. I mean, they they did just win the Super Bowl last year, right? But so even if they have one bad year, they still made the playoffs, still won their division. Yeah, but they again, they're a team trending in the wrong direction. It's hard to imagine. I honestly can't imagine how they get significantly better in the next year or two. Okay, they've got Mahomes, but they're losing. Like Kelsey is definitely not lasting that much longer. They don't have a lot of other positives in terms of offensive weapons. So unless either a trade falls into their lap, they're going to draft incredibly well. We'll we'll see. (laughs) Which they haven't done in a while. So yeah, we'll see. But I mean, they have two young receivers who, you know, a lot of receivers do a lot better usually in their second and third year. So they'll have Sky Moore and they have Rice that will all be a year older in the system. So maybe they'll be a little better, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's to me, that game, that bills game is like a snippet of the Bills season where like they come out, they look pretty good. Then they look like absolute shit. Then they regroup in the second half and come out and like slightly look good and then just turn it on and, and get the ball at the end and pretty much win that game. Like, I don't know what to make of that team. I don't know if they're good. I don't know if they're bad. I don't know what they are. Yeah, I know it's... Josh Allen can sometimes be dominant and he'll get the ball and he'll like, like, like you said about Baker, he'll just put his head down and run through a brick wall 
And then sometimes it looks like he's run into a brick wall several times and he'll throw the dumbest pass on the planet for like a stupid interception. You know, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. It's hard because, yeah, if you take the very best version of the Bills that we only see for, you know, glimpses over the course of a game, <laughs> they're maybe as good as anyone. Certainly offensively. But they cannot, there's nothing that makes me think that they will be able to string together complete performances over the course of these playoffs. They're lucky, right? Okay, I'm, I'm disappointed they denied us the chance to see this Bills-Chiefs game, which would have been, I know people are getting really excited about the Rams-Lions, the storylines. It doesn't excite me that much. To, oh, it excites stay. me because I, I would love to see the Lions go one and done. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's funny, right? I always get accused of being the negative one, and you're so much more no- motivated by wanting to see teams. No, that's a positive. That's a. Po- I'm excited, Eddie. Yeah. But uh, you know, what I'm saying is, you know, the Stafford golf storylines, they don't, you know, there's the homecoming of Matthew Stafford. Like, it doesn't really get me thrilled to watch Sunday Night Football this week. But whereas the Chiefs' bills, I would have been all in to, to see that one. Ultimately, the Bills at home, the Steelers, even if they don't put together a complete performance, I can't imagine them losing this one. Do you do you start Josh Allen that game or do you rest him? You're such an idiot. <laughs> you're such an idiot. <laughs> the fact that you're going to stick to the Steelers position when they are about to play a playoff game, you better hope. They like have... I'm pretty sure they have like the worst point differential for a team to make the playoffs ever. (laughs) That's probably true. But but I'll say this. If the Steelers beat the Bills next week, you got to take a break from the podcast. I'll get Sam back on for a couple of episodes. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) And I don't know who loses out the most in that scenario. (laughs) I'll be so productive for that week. <laughs> but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine them losing. They're obviously the heaviest favorites of any team. Are they, what are they, 23-point favorites? Nine-and-a-half-point favorites, which I'm actually oh. surprised is not higher. I know nine-and-a-half points in a playoff game is a lot, but we have seen wild-card weekends with double-digit favorites in recent years. I am surprised not to see them at, like, the 11-, 12-point mark. Yeah. Because realistically, I don't, I don't, I'm not as negative about this Steelers team as you are, but one of the Steelers' strengths is not scoring a lot of points. And this is one of their worst matchups, like a Bills team that can score a lot of points really quickly. You know, like you could tell me at halftime, it's like, whoa, Bills only up 10 7 at halftime. And then end of the third quarter, it could be 31 7. You know, like, so. It feels like for the Steelers, this isn't this is not the team they would have hoped to play. Had they, you know, we reverse the Eagles scenario. If they had been able to hand pick their opponent, it obviously would not have been the Bills. Yeah, I Any mean, other... Steel, like, I, I, I'm not worried. I'm worried about Buffalo in the playoffs, but not against the Steelers. I just, yeah, they don't have much. You're right; they're not going to be able to score. There's no way. All right, we can. We can official that every element of the Duke of Curse has now been thrown onto the Bills. So 
everyone go out and put all the money you have on the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> to win this game. Maybe even take the Steelers minus nine and a half. Who knows what's going to happen this weekend? Steelers over 35 points. <laughs> yes. Uh, I guess maybe the final talking point from yesterday's set of games. Well, two, I guess. There's well, two I think also there. getting back to the Bills before we yeah. leave that one. I mean, you saw Tua with a chance to win the game there and threw possibly one of the worst interceptions of the weekend. No, I mean, no one beats Trevor Lawrence literally throwing <laughs> it straight to a cornerback when he had a wide open wide receiver. Three well, Tua, kind of, that was kind of the same thing. Uh, this one was the Trevor Lawrence one was the worst. Interception Although Josh Allen's to Eli Apple was pretty bad, too, in the end zone. Eli Apple was like almost dropped it because he couldn't believe that the ball was getting thrown right to him. He yeah. was so out of position. <laughs> I mean, also, let's not ignore the fact that the Bills also may have used up their luck for the season when it, when one of their scoring plays includes Josh Allen throwing the ball into the helmet of a lineman and then awesome. bl- ballooning 25 yards into the air and being caught at the back of the end zone. I did like the... the, uh, the cut to the sidelines to just see the stunned looks on the faces of everyone on the Dolphins sidelines and the thrilled looks on the faces on the, on the side of the, of the bills. Yeah. I did like to see McDaniels not understand what had happened there, but so you're so, okay. You're going to say, do you trust Tua? is Tua good? Well, I'll, I'll even go further. Do you trust the dolphins Are the dolphins good? I think the thing with the dolphins, you know, I've never been, like I've always said, I think this Dolphins team is like good at beating bad teams, but not very not good enough to beat good teams. And my opinion of that hasn't really changed. And then you throw in all of the injuries that they have, like they are the team, not from a the Eagles are limping into the playoffs from a form perspective, and the Dolphins are limping into the playoffs from an actual health standpoint. And <laughs> that's the that's what I can overlook is like when I combine the fact that they are not particularly healthy. And they, I don't think, are really good enough to be the best teams. Then you struggle. I do think. I think they'll beat the Chiefs. I know they're underdogs. I think they're. Gonna you think the they're going to beat the Chiefs? Yeah, I think we've forgotten how bad the Chiefs are. Like I think, the the Chiefs kind of got to in the final. You know, like by being able to rest players yesterday, and actually being okay against the Chargers in that game. I mean, they already lost to the Chiefs this year. I know, in Germany. And they probably... Oh, that's the, that's the excuse? No, they should have won that game, though. You know, like they had some really weird things happen in that game. But let's, let's put this in perspective. They lost to the Chiefs and now are without Chubb, their best defensive player. Out, I think, I think Xavier Howard might also be out, right? Their second best defensive player. Waddle and Mozart were both out and are questionable for this week. Like, so they're a definitively worse team than the team that played the Chiefs earlier this year that lost to the Chiefs. I can't disagree with any of that. I also think the Chiefs are worse than they were when they beat the Dolphins because that was still in a period, like the the wheels had not completely come off. They were beginning to come off. The week before, obviously, they were blown out by the Broncos, and they, you know, I, you know, this is, this is a Chiefs team. 
obviously we can ignore they sort of barely beat the Bengals a couple of weeks weeks ago in a game that they did need to win. They lost to the Raiders before that on Christmas at Christmas in a game that actually like the Raiders kind of dominated. You know, like this I think because of their ability to rest players yesterday, we've forgotten. I don't know if the healthy Chiefs, I don't know if the starters with the Chiefs necessarily beat that that Chargers team yesterday. Oh God! (laughs) I I think we're forgetting how bad they are. I am expecting the Dolphins to beat them. I'm expecting the Dolphins. Okay, Mostert's out, but I think we can kind of treat McDaniel in a little bit the Shanahan mentality. They're going to get someone who can just run the ball. Well, yeah, they they have a chain, but they'll be okay. And I just think they'll run all over the Chiefs, and we're going to watch Patrick Mahomes looking confused and annoyed in the backfield, sort of twisting his head from side to side with his weird-looking helmet on his head, wondering why receivers aren't wide open, and pointing at officials to throw flags that don't deserve to be thrown. That's the only only (laughs) upset I'm picking. Obviously, no spoilers. Picking the Dolphins over the Chiefs. Yeah, that's the only upset I'm looking at this uh, that I expect to see this weekend, which yeah. makes me feel good because there's always an upset on Wild Card Weekend. So if you're just going going chalk, you're probably going to be wrong. But anyway, we'll get to that when the time comes. Two final mini talking points, maybe from yesterday's games. Possibility that that was Bill Belichick's. Last game in charge of the New England Patriots. Seems more Which, and more as if that was the case. Do you think that was part of the other reason? They kept making that for that red zone thing. Like every time, like, oh, look at Belichick on the could be the last time on the sidelines. He looks cold. Like, all right, shut up. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But they weren't doing, you know, like they weren't maybe it's not like Scott Hansen will be like, thank God we showed more of those highlights. Yeah. <laughs> like um, is your other point uh, about Derrick Henry similar to Bill Belichick? No, but we can obviously mention that Derrick Henry. Did you see that they gave him a microphone at the end of the game and he like addressed the crowd? Yeah, no, he's definitely leaving. No, and he's. He also, I mean, he's for sure leaving. But I think that's a unique. I've never seen that before. When a player is like, "I'm not coming back to this team. Give me the mic. Let me say thank you right now," which I actually appreciate more than like putting up a stupid Instagram post like four weeks later, be like. Thank you, fans. Really appreciate you. Like, he genuinely seemed like sincere about it, you know. And yeah. and I I thought that was kind of nice. No, in his post game press conference too, he took the time to like thank people who work in the kitchen, people who are the equipment managers and stuff, and name them. Which okay, I expect most NFL players know their names, but it's still to be able to stand there and like recall all of those names in the moment is still a sign of someone who actually. Yeah genuinely cares and made the point It's like of, the Jameis Winston thing. Remember? Yeah, like like made the point, you know, that shows that, you know, he was saying those are the people who also contribute to my ability to go out and do my best work on a Sunday. He's seemingly a very nice person. It will be interesting. Yeah. I hope for him that he now gets to go to a good a contender. <laughs> like, yeah. You know. But 
And then I, the other talking point I had was obviously Arthur Smith was fired from the Falcons, and I think we we can't we can't not talk about Arthur Smith losing his mind at the end of that Falcons Sands game after Jamal Williams scored a touchdown with the you know sort of final play when it appeared that the Saints were just going to be in victory formation. And then here's the thing: is I'm so you know my thoughts. Running up the score to me is not a thing. I don't think it was insulting of them to run a play and score the touchdown i have to, i do have a couple of issues though if i'm going to def- be critical of the saints one to make it look as if you're going to you're just going to kneel and then run a play that's kind of shitty that i will say like that kind of leans more into the don't try and rub it in with something tricky that's not cool so i will i can kind of get that being annoying and the reason for why they had to do it is that Jamal Williams hadn't scored a touchdown this season, so like he really needed one. Yeah, if they'd said he they led the league that. last year in touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, this but he needed some, one this year. <laughs> if you told me there was like a financial incentive, like a bonus that he was trying to get, I hundred percent on board. But it seemed like a stupid reason. Yeah. Now, yes, I have to say though. It's it's a it's a tough take for Dennis Allen, who's the coach of the Saints, because now from every which way, it's been said that he called for victory formation and called it in and told them. And then, in fact, Jameis Winston had said, can we run a play? And he said, no, I said victory formation, do victory formation. And then Jameis Winston still went out and called the play, which is amazing. A lo- like it just that sucks for Dennis Allen because it makes him look like such a shithead that he did that. And and like what you said, did it in a way like sneakingly, like, I'm gonna fake take a knee and hand it off. But he had actually nothing to do with it, and in fact was adamant of doing the opposite. And then second of all, it's a real shitty move by the honey badger because he picks that ball off to get them to the one. But instead of just running in for the, I don't know if you saw the play, he like clearly could have run in for a touchdown, but started like running sideways and almost like half taunting, half stopping. Like, I don't know what he was doing and had he just run into the end zone, like this never would have happened, but he did like the dumbest taunt, whatever it was and stopped it and got caught at the one and set up this whole scenario. So Dennis Allen got screwed by both of those players. Regardless, Arthur Smith was psychotic about it when he should have been more focused on the fact that his team fucking sucks and he was going to get fired. Like, make that your priority, buddy. Don't make your priority that, like, someone ran up the score when you just got absolutely bamboozled in the second half. (laughs) Which, admittedly, probably contributed to his rage, right? Like, if we're being generous to Arthur Smith. I think he looks like an asshole. I think that's maybe like, I don't love the confronting the coach. You have, you, you'll have the opportunity, I'm sure, post-game, if he wanted to go and say something to Dennis Allen and the Saints and be like, guys, shitty look. You know, like, but to, to do the, like, from 15 yards out, just be screaming like, that's fucking bullshit to the opposing coach as you get closer. What I will say for Dennis Allen, I don't think it's a bad look. I don't think it would have been a bad look even if he'd called the play. The worst look for him is that his players just fucking ignored him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, like, I love that James Winston was just like, fuck it, I don't care. 
And admittedly, Jameis Winston probably knows not going to be in New Orleans yeah. next season. So there's a lot of people involved in that decision making who have nothing to lose. So that does change it. But still, if I'm the owner of the Saints, part of me is thinking, wait, hold on a second. Your entire offense just completely ignored something you said to them. Because it's not just Jameis Winston called the play, right? He said that they then discussed it as an offense and collectively decided they wanted to do this. But what's weird is then why is Taysom Hill 15 yards behind in victory formation? <laughs> Did he like not want to participate? He's a he's a Mormon. He was he just didn't want to be involved. That's not a Mormon thing to do. Yeah, that was that was quite humorous. But all right, I guess obviously our well, are you got something I was going to end it, Eddie, with a little trivia to keep the trivia tradition going. This one comes to us via Instagram. And I picked it because there are actually four teams in the playoffs that fit this, which I just gave you a huge clue to. Can you name the eight NFL teams that are one syllable? Their nickname, you mean? Yes. Bills? Yes. Chiefs? Yes. Um, Rams? Yep. Lions? Nope. Lions. Oh, yeah, that's two syllables. Um, Browns. Yep. So that's you got the half. playoff. T- you got the playoff teams. <laughs> <laughs> now it gets harder because now I have to think of the teams that won't be playing. Uh, Jets. Yep. Trying to do it kind of uh, bears. Bears. Yep. Yeah. Two more. Thrilling audio listening, I'm sure. I'll tell you, hit for our listeners if they also can't get these last two. They were in the playoff hunt as of yesterday. Uh, Saints. 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 Once, yep. Yeah. One syllable. <laughs> um, so I think we're like trying to be like, am I sure? Say saints. <laughs> yeah. How do I say saints? Um, Lost for a playoff spot. Colts. Colts. Yep. Nice. Not sure if you got it under a minute, but we'll give it to you. <laughs> Close. With editing, I did. <laughs> yeah, with editing, you got it in 10 <laughs> seconds. In other news, pretty significant one in some respects golf but not live golf oh, don't worry i know what it is i'm sure you do i'm sure you saw the news that tiger woods parted ways with nike ending a yep. uh, 27 year relationship probably one of the most iconic player brand relationships of, i mean i think the only one that you could say is jordan is yeah that's it in terms of sort of a, um, a clearer association maybe a few a handful of others get sort of close but it's going to be what about like soccer i don't think there's even i mean beckham with the adidas like the predators in the 90s 2000s that was pretty big and ronaldo uh not cristiano although cristiano too but brazilian ronaldo with nike in the 90s was big 
Um, it's hard, obviously, for me to think about it from before my lifetime, but uh, I think, yeah, it still doesn't approach like no Tiger Tiger Woods. Like you think of Tiger Woods, you think of Nike. You think of Nike for as big as they are. You think of Tiger Woods, and like it's going to be weird to see him in whatever else he ends up wearing. Like that's going to be a strange change. Yeah. I mean, I assume he's just going to make his own clothing brand like Brady did. You'd think so. Although a lot of times, even when they do that, I mean, he already had his own like Tiger Woods. Yeah, the stuff Tiger Woods part. Nike one though. Yeah. You'd still think there's a good chance that he maybe ends up somewhere else. But maybe. With a clear... He's been wearing foot I... joys for a while. I guess. Roger Federer was pretty iconic. And then, then he ditched everything because he left Nike. Uh, but yeah, you have, yeah, I guess you have a, a handful who've been pretty. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see, assuming he's going to stick to the Sunday red and black. It's going to be strange to see it without the, especially if you think that like one of the most iconic moments of golf from the last 20 years is also like the best possible night, like Nike commercial, his chip at Augusta where the ball like slowly rotates in and you see the Nike logo like right before it (laughs) drops in. You know, when you're taking, when you're imagining that probably the go-to moment people will reference for him is also just the perfect Nike commercial. Uh, It's a strange one. Yeah. It's, it's weird. So I don't, is Nike now not going to really be invested in golf anymore? Because I mean, Jordan is still, I mean, out of the NBA and they still have, you know, Jordan brand of Nike. And I know that Nike is cutting a lot of costs so that that could be part of the reason. I think they said they were cutting like 2 billion in, in costs in the next few years. So obviously I'm sure he's heavily on contract, but it's weird that they couldn't come to some smaller agreement or pay him less, but give him more interest or something like that. Yeah. It seems that the decision will have come from Nike. They're trying to cut $2 billion in the next two years. Uh, So they stopped making all of their golf equipment, like the actual clubs and stuff in 2016. So uh, it's been a while because I mean, I think, Rory McIlroy managed to sneak in on the back end of that and get like a big <laughs> club deal yeah. for Nike. Like got like a hundred million dollars for the club deal. And then, which is might be why he's, you know, so quiet during all of these live golf numbers being thrown around. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can understand if you're trying to make a, if you're trying to remove the emotion from the decision from Nike's perspective, is that you probably still have to pay Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods money, but what are you really getting for it? Like a guy who's going to play ten tournaments a year, probably not win yet, win any of them. Like they've supposedly he's made five hundred million dollars out of his relationship with Nike over the course of the twenty seven years. So not too bad. I don't, think e- <laughs> I don't think either of them can complain, but unless he wanted to be super generous and say thanks for sticking with me through. A number of different issues. <laughs> How much do you think they've made off of him? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's people who, there's a lot of people who bought 
red Nike polos just because 500 million worth just the polos yeah probably probably I mean speaking of Nike and endorsements uh, there was the movie that came out Air uh, starring Jason Bateman and, and Ben Affleck that was slightly featured on the Golden Globes yesterday uh, I think uh, Ben Affleck was maybe nominated or Jason Bateman, I think was nominated. Uh, they didn't win anything. Um, it was a decent movie. I saw it, but I know you had some other entertainment that you want to talk about. So I'll start with mine. Cause mine isn't as funny. I think is what yours will be, but we, I saw uh, Godzilla minus one this weekend in the movies. It was really good. I, I like Godzilla movies and I don't mean like the, like the new ones or like the Matthew Broderick version. Like I grew up when I was younger, my dad and I would always watch like the original Godzillas and Godzilla vs. Mothra and all those movies. Um, so I've always had like an enjoyment of watching Godzilla. And this one was kind of more of like of the classic Godzilla movies than the newer ones. Like there was less focus on the CGI and more focus on the story and the, the plot. And like it was actually like really good storyline outside of Godzilla attacking a city. It was like a post-World War II in Japan um it was really good uh it's it was subtitled but it was like that doesn't bother me i know that bothers some people but um theater was packed and it's been out for multiple weeks now but uh it was really good i really enjoyed it all right the duca stamp of approval which yeah. has it's a fun movie it's like you know it's like a godzilla movie it's not super long it was like two hours um you know good side storyline and and i thought the action parts were pretty good too yeah, I mean, I guess you know what you're getting yourself in for, you know. So yeah, you can't it's complain f- and and then be like, it wasn't deep enough for me. Yeah, yeah. But yes, I watched, completed, Hijack, the Apple TV miniseries starring Idris Elba, which you said you've watched a couple months ago. I'm not sure exactly when it came out. I mean, it's not. I watched super it when old. it first came out. Uh, I want to say it probably came out early summer. Yeah, like July, maybe? It was enjoyable enough to watch. Yeah. It's only seven episodes, so you can get through it pretty quickly. So I actually did. I'll say this. It, my mother, and I think this also regards to you, my mother loved 24. And I said to her, this is like kind of a version of 24 in the air, where like the plot is slightly ridiculous and ludicrous when you like, Take take like a, a a broader view of what the hell's going on, but it kind of has that pace and that intensity that it just kind of keeps you. All right, yeah, let's see what happens. All right, yeah, let's see what happens. Oh my god, are they going to get out of this? And it's it's enjoyable, but when you really think about it, it's like quite insanely dumb. <laughs> yeah, but so, you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, so there's obviously going to be a few spoilers here for anyone who I don't think it's really going to ruin too much for you because I mean we don't have to talk about the ending or anything of that so much, but the premise is that a plane flying from Dubai to London is hijacked and you don't know why for a significant portion of the TV show. You don't know exactly why they've chosen to hijack this plane. Now I actually think the concept, what bothers me more, I enjoyed the show in parts. Enormously successful by the way. Yeah. I actually think they had a decent premise and then the ridiculousness that comes into it at times 
ruins actually what is kind of a cool concept behind it. My biggest issue, two big things. One, I kept waiting. So Idris Elba obviously becomes a central figure. He's on the flight. He's befriending and negotiating with the hostage takers. The I think I have. I think I know what one of your takes. One of your things is going to be. Is it that that Idris Elba was going to have some other backstory? Yes. Which yeah. Never <laughs> I just kept like, waiting. He's just like a company negotiator. Yeah, I kept waiting for like I'm a former hostage negotiator. I was no, it wasn't hostage. No, no, no. I know. Oh, I oh, oh. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I was waiting for like I was in the military, and they kind of kept hinting at that in a sense, in ways, and then it never came about. No. And it turns I, out he just he's just a mediator for large company takeovers. Yeah, he's a closer <laughs> for mergers and acquisitions. Yeah, which. The part I couldn't help but laugh at was when, so his ex-wife is then dating a detective <laughs> and who, and then her son is there. And when the first kind of story starts to break about the, he's raised some concern that the flight's been taken, you know, uh, hijacked. The detective says to the wife, what exactly is it that your husband does? And she says, it's hard to explain. <laughs> and, then, and then and then this and then it's i can't remember it word for, but it's like he's just really he, he's really good at what he does he's the only person that can do it and then he's like what is it that he does he, well he comes in to close deals uh at the end of mergers and acquisitions but he's he's really good at what he does and then it's like what does he do and then the son just goes he's a negotiator it was it's such an anti-climax to the point where i joked in watching it i want people to start speaking about me in that way because you could just have this tense build-up to be like what is it that eddie does it's hard to explain but he's he's really good at what he does what is it he does well he sometimes talks on the internet and tries (laughs) to explain things to people but He's really good. What is it he does? He's a podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's great. And yeah, I was waiting for some understanding of what these specialist skills he was going to tap into, and it just never came. Well, I wonder. So, yeah, I thought the same thing the entire time, and I think almost everyone does. And I think it's either one of three things. One, they do it purposely just to kind of mess with you and make you think more of it. Two, they maybe did have something else kind of written in there, but then kind of ended up cutting it because it made it even more ridiculous and crazy and you couldn't understand it. Or three, they put it in their back pocket for like a season two where you actually find out he is special at what he does and it's not just mergers and acquisitions. Yeah, I'm it's leaning one towards, of those three. I'm leaning towards I'm leaning one. Towards, I'm leaning towards three. See, Is that see like I'm leaning towards one because they said that it was originally they had said it was a one and done. Like they had no plans to ever make a second. But then it became so successful that they keep going back to them and like, well, can you think of something else? And they're just like, well, what do you want us to do here? Like. And then, is it him getting caught again now like on a train like he's just riding a train and he gets caught in a hijack situation like what do you do now 
And then the other big criticism, without any spoilers, is the fact that all of the like systems and protocols and policies that government services and security services undoubtedly have in place for these types of situations just fall apart in this TV show to the extent where you have like a air traffic controller saying, no, this is my plane. Yeah. I'm handling this. Or like, that the his random ex-wife, who is just seemingly a cop, is now like in charge or is like one of the people involved. And then she can just get her new detective boyfriend to like be the head cop running like running no. the show. Like that doesn't even make sense. No, no. <laughs> it's more insane than that. He's just a, a seemingly a normal detective. And he calls his ex-wife or ex-girlfriend, who obviously more senior, more involved in the sort of... Oh, I'm getting it confused. That's I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking so of he her. calls yeah, her yeah. to ask yes, for yeah, the yes. favor. Sorry, her. And, and then, and then she st- seemingly is the person now who's in charge of like everything. Which, okay, we can maybe believe that. But then maybe. when she needs to research the people on the plane, she sent him the list too. Because, of course, the actual security services are not going to be able to search the same databases as yeah. well as this random London detective whose argument is, I'm really good at my job. He's also really good at his job. And then he basically finds all of the same information they find, except he also identifies the fact that a few of them don't exist, which seemingly the security services don't. But there's just full breakdown. But wait, 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 wait. I got got what I want to do. This is a spoiler. So if you are planning on watching it, you might want to skip this. The request of what ends up being the hijack scenario is that they want to let these guys out of jail, these severe, brutal criminals that they took years to get, just release them out of jail. And they're like, there's no way we're going to do that. And they're like, yeah, then we're going to crash this plane. It's like, it doesn't matter. There's no way. Like, no, but we're really going to do it. And then it's like, oh, shit, let these guys out. Because <laughs> like, they kill one person. <laughs> yeah. They kill shit, one person. let these guys out. <laughs> and then more importantly, they're like, don't follow them. In the age of technology we live in. And they're like, <laughs> and not only do they follow them, they follow them in a line of three black cars <laughs> where they're like, keep a safe distance. You're on a small country road. They can clearly see you. It's insane. In the also- age in the age of like espionage where like you can put a cam like you can get cameras from satellites to be able to they- pinpoint what someone's holding yeah. in their hand. <laughs> but then eventually they go, fuck, that didn't work. Get the drone. Why didn't you use the drone in the first place? That's what I mean. Like things like that. Like why didn't you have a drone, seven drones on them the whole time? Why wasn't the drone the go-to plant? But then. And then I love, but but they outsmarted that drone. They went to the woods. (laughs) And then they, but they couldn't have the drones at like each parts by the woods to see where they eventually come out. It's ridiculous. And then the final point on the breakdown thing. So they, all this, uh, hijacking starts to come to life and instead of going into you know specific rooms where they would have these types of discussions that would be you know soundproof security proof they just start having the full discussion in the office that they originally started to talk in and their reason for it like the home secretary is there the foreign secretary is there and the reasoning behind it is this is where we just this is where we found out and we just started working. 
Like as if yeah. the government, you know, wouldn't go like, okay, we better move to like hand over to this security service. And they work from these specific rooms knowing that everything is completely cut off. I don't know. It's, you can't be too critical of it because obviously it's not trying to be realistic, but it's no. just frustrating that it could have been so much, it could have been significantly less dumb really easily. Yeah. No, I, I honestly think like 24 was a very long time ago. And I think if we went back now and watched it with the critical eye that people watch all television shows now, you could easily pick it apart just as easily. And it, it's exactly what it reminded me of. We're like good lead actor, kind of ludicrous situation they become they get involved in and it's like kind of suspenseful the whole way through i enjoyed it i thought it was fun yeah but again 24 it doesn't pretend to be realistic and fundamentally it's age oh I, that's where i think you're wrong i think they were like this is legit guys <laughs> and it's also just like it's the it's the taken principle of like this guy has a special skill like he's the best person on earth for this and if 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 if, they, if Idris Elba had turned out to be like a real hostage negotiator, then it would have made a little bit of sense. But I don't know. People can go away, watch it for themselves, it, or if they've already watched it, you know, interact with us on Twitter, Big Chill Podcast. Let us know what you think. But I would love to do. I could have done a full podcast dedicated to the TV show, like an episode by episode. And I know our <laughs> listeners would not enjoy that, but I literally, literally, there was so much comedic value within yeah. each episode that I, I could have done it. Yeah, there were some good ones. The heel turn by the, um, by the pilot, was weak as well. His oh. instant heel turn for for his affair being brought out. <laughs> he's willing to risk the life of 500 people that won't tarnish his reputation as much as his affair coming to light no not only risk the life brutally beat his colleague in the face (laughs) with a metal water bottle yeah (laughs) i mean that was an extreme reaction but i'll give a final spoiler so if you really are planning on watching this this will be the end of the podcast so you can stop now Nice turn with the woman who ends up not being part of them taking over the plane. What I do love is Idris Elba. The way he talks his way into that cockpit is being like, they're going to kill your daughter anyway. Which is probably a fair point. Probably true. But then when they land, he's like, you better go see about your daughter. If you're her, are you not then fucking furious? Where it's like, whoa, hold on a second. You said she was dead no matter what. It's like, oh no. She's probably alive, but she's definitely dead now. (laughs) Thanks for landing the plane. And the other point on that, I get it. She's an experienced naval pilot or whatever, and now an aviation consultant. Why didn't they go and get the first officer to land the plane? Never comes back into the cockpit. Yeah. Like the woman who knows that specific plane, the route, all of the airports (laughs) around there, going to do an emergency landing. It's like, well, let the hijacker land it. (laughs) I mean, there was a lot of like random. Like, I also love the choice with the two people who they release out of jail and are like running the heist. And then the guy just ends up fucking backstabbing him, shooting him in the head to end the episode. (laughs) Yeah, for a reason they. 
never I don't really know why. <laughs> like it was clear, okay, he's like holding them up a little bit because, but, and then he also revealed that was originally part of the plan. Yeah. He's like, well, but we don't know why at all. No. The whole plan as to why they did this was, and then, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. I like um, that. I just also laughed. Part of me as the as it started to become a little bit more, when it was like, now it's a double hijacking. I was like, joked. I was like, the only way to stop a double hijacking, triple hijacking. <laughs> I just liked if like it had turned out there were like a hundred and fifty hijackers on board, all of whom had their had their like individual motivation for trying to hijack the plane. So you'd be like, phew. We've wrestled back control of the plane. Oh, fuck. Now these other guys have hijacked us. <laughs> Why do these guys want it? Oh, they're really, they're like stop oil protesters. They're really <laughs> upset about the environment. And then just like turn after turn. <laughs> uh, you know what also is a little ridiculous? The ending. Where oh. like they're still on the plane. <laughs> that was yes. a little ridiculous. Yeah. Because yes, again, I think the th- I think the security service come onto the plane. They don't let you walk off it, probably. No. And Idris Elba just being like, sorry, guys, I forgot something. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no worries, man. Go take your time. <laughs> Wasn't just a major hostage situation yeah. and not a plane that could, okay, there's no fuel, so fire is less of a risk. But, you know. So Who knows? Maybe it. they rigged it up with explosives. Yes. They brought like, guns oh, on. Cool, man. <laughs> What'd you need? That necklace? Oh, you better get that. Yeah. We won't get that for you later. Yeah. That's the other thing too, right? Like what does he think is going to happen to the plane? (laughs) He's going to get their luggage eventually. Well, not based on how that day was going. (laughs) It's why did you watch that by the way? Just kind of running out of things to watch and it was like suggested, (laughs) you know, so they just got thrown into the, and then cause it was seven episodes, he kind of burned through it pretty quickly you know like if you watch back-to-back episodes you do that a couple yeah. of times and you're like well it's over done yeah because i think yeah i watched that pretty quickly it was literally basically in three goes because like first time watch two episodes second time watch two episodes and then the third time after watching the two episodes I was like may as well watch the third like yeah <laughs> all right sounds good with that i guess i'll uh, talk to you later sounds good see ya cheerio Oh, <laughs>